Hello everybody, this is Dan Woods. Here we are at the Strata Conference in New York City on uh, September 12th. I'm here talking with Josh Rogers, CEO of SyncSort. We've both been at this conference before, and it used to be a Hadoop conference, but now even the Hadoop vendors no longer mention Hadoop, and I think that's emblematic of the fact that there's a lot been learned about the big data world and how it's merged with the rest of the, the data processing world that's been around for decades. What do you think we've learned in the big data era? Yeah, so I think the thing that strikes me uh, at this show is how the questions have changed. You know, if you go back five years ago, why, why Hadoop? Why should I bring all my data sources together? Why can't I do this in my data warehouse? Um, you know, how do these technologies work? Today, it's much more around how do I scale this technology? I already have a data lake. You know, how do I get the most value out of it? How do I govern this? You know, I've got changing regulations, I have GDPR. Um, so I think the questions have changed. People are doing this, people are learning um, you know, how to get value, but they're learning, they're trying to struggle with now, how do I scale, how do I manage, how do I integrate this technology with my existing systems? I also think there's some myths that have gone away. You know, I think people realize that they're not going to get rid of their data warehouse. You know, they're, gonna, they're trying to figure out how to complement and uh, augment and extend their data warehousing uh, technology with these new technologies. So um, what we like to, say, to tell customers is that we will help you with that integration challenge. You know, we recognize and have for decades that you're not going to throw away these perfectly good systems at work. You'd like to limit your uh, ongoing investment in some of the older systems, but you recognize they, they manage per mission critical workloads, and yet you want to take advantage of these new technologies. So how do we help you integrate these new technologies with these older systems so that you can maximize the value of your new investments? Well, it also seems that like some of the enduring questions you know, are still with us in different forms. You know, one of the questions that, that keeps coming up is how do we create a, a, a canonical data model mm. that we can all, you know, benefit from? It, essentially, that creates a common language. And then where should that be created? You know, what right. the, should it be in the data lake? Should it be in, in other places? Should we use graph databases? Right. But, but the, 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 the challenge is the same. And, and then, of course, you know, there's the, the whole idea of data engineering and data uh, prep and you know ETL mm -hmm. that's become much more segmented than it, than it used to be. Right. Um, and then all of this is happening in the context of you know having the data located both on premise and the cloud. You know that's one of the bigger challenges people I think are still struggling with is how to you know manage where the data is going and how to manage the transition between on prem and the cloud. Right. What are you guys seeing as the right way to support the hybrid? Uh, cloud uh, work work uh, loads. Yeah, so you, you asked a couple of different things there. I'll talk first about the, the canonical data model. You know, I mean, I think what's happened is that people are, um, the, the problem space has expanded dramatically. I'm ingesting and wanting to analyze a lot more data and data elements than ever before. So that has huge impact to the, you know, the data model, right? I, if I'm not just doing financial reports, but I'm doing all sorts of reports around behavioral data, financial data, you know, operational data, I, I've got to rethink how I manage uh, that data model. Um, and then I also have a lot more consumers of the data. The, the whole goal is that I'm a data-driven enterprise, which means I'm putting the, the, the data in the hands of business people and decision makers at a lower level of the organization than I have in the past which kind of also explodes the how do I structure that data model. Um, so I think the, the, the reality is that people are starting to think about how do I engage business in managing that data model and you see firms like Calibra creating these business focused 
interfaces for people to, to drive that managed labor. I think those are important advances, and it's one of the reasons we partnered with them. Um, but it's not. There's no silver bullet answer to that. It's going to be look as the consumers of data expand and the sources of data expand. We're going to constantly need to think about how do we manage and how do we govern this data and how do we manage the data. And, model. and also, I think it's going to be segmented. It, you know, it used to be you had the data warehouse. Right. You know, and now you're going to have the data warehouse. Maybe two or three different types of you know data mart type repositories. Maybe yeah. a data lake. And then things like graph databases are really finding you know, that they're providing a lot of value yep. in a lot of specialized contexts uh, as well. So right. I think it's, it's now you know, like a bouquet of things that right. you have to deal with. Yep. On, the pro, on the hybrid piece, I'll, that takes me back to a, I sat through a, a, a session um, at a, a customer investor, investor conference, or not investor conference, but um, technology conference. And uh, this, this presenter made a point, and this is probably five years ago, that you know, there were a lot of financial institutions that were worried about the cloud, and, and, and specifically, how can I use the cloud, you know, the public cloud, and be sure of security? Um, his response at the time was, at some point, people are going to ask the reverse. How can I not keep my data in the public cloud, because that's the area that has the most sophisticated security? I would tell you we're kind of rapidly approaching that tipping point. You know, every financial institution that we work with, they are looking to leverage in a hybrid way uh, cloud for various types of workloads. And so that's certainly very much on our agenda and it's obviously on the agenda of the, uh, the customers broadly. Um, we think that there's a lot of interesting use cases there for us because again, we want to be experts in how do we help you leverage the next generation, the next wave of technology, but in the context of the existing investments. We've got customers that we've helped move you know, storage from uh, tape archive mainframe data into uh, S3 buckets in, in AWS. You know, those are really interesting use cases for us, and so we're going to continue to put a big focus on not just how do we help customers manage and live uh, in, a, in a hybrid environment as it relates to their data integration challenges, but also how do we take pieces of our portfolio and make them available um, you know, as cloud-based SaaS offerings or service offerings. The most recently we announced uh, capacity management as a service, right? Which is, uh, allows customers to ingest massive amounts of log data and understand how do I make sure I've got the right capacity? Not too much, not too little, uh, so they can optimize their existing infrastructure. Well, one of the things I think that is sort of like an evolution from Hadoop to the cloud was the importance of low cost, you know, arbitrary format storage. And so HDFS, I think, found its kind of full fruition in object storage in the cloud. And I think it's a super powerful way for people to now store data in a, in a flexible and inexpensive way that can support a variety of workloads. Yep. You know, uh, the, uh, the other thing though that I wanted to talk about was how does the data governance uh, challenge you know, Im evolved as you, it has gone from just managing data you know, on premise to managing data that is just distributed over many, many devices and also many, many different you know, processing centers and, and clouds. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good and a complicated question and you've got kind of a ever increasing set of regulations you need to abide by if you, you know, if you study GDPR, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a series of fairly sophisticated um, you know, implications in terms of how you're going to manage that data. Um, I, I think it's going to be a journey for people. I think that there are some principles that people need to understand, which is you're going to have to do a better job of understanding what data you have. You're going to have to do a better under job of understanding how you can prove 
who's accessing that data and, and, and log that um, and be able to uh, prove that compliance. Um, and then you're going to need to you know, make active decisions around how you use it and how you don't use it and make sure that people adhere to those. Um, there's a lot of those kind of implications imply that you're going to need more consolidation of the data into kind of consistent places like a data lake. And, you know, I think the, the cloud piece is probably ends up being a, um, you know, how do I have one virtual data lake that both exists on premise and in the cloud? And I think with some of the uh, advances we're seeing from the distributions, frankly, at the show and Cloudera, I think they're making that easier and easier. But it's, it's, a, it's a serious challenge for sure. Well, one of the things that seems obvious is that now as this data landscape has become so large, that it's no longer manageable without some sort of automation, especially automation assisted by AI and machine learning. You know, when you think about you know, a data lake at a large company, the, the, the catalog is too huge to understand you know, by any one person. And you can't have the, the process of managing and categorizing that data be something that is manual. Right. You need to have some sort of automated approach uh, in order just to handle even the moderately sized companies, let right. alone the really big ones. Right. Uh, and then, in addition to that, there's the whole problem of preparing data for use in AI workloads, where you run into the same problem. How do I find the data that's most appropriate for this AI workload? How do I understand it? And how do I debug the data, if you will? Right. Uh, a couple of years ago, Peter Norvig at the O'Reilly AI conference talked about how data debugging was going to be a big challenge because there's really no systematic approach to it at this point or no and no tools to do it. Right. So given those two things that are going on with AI, you know, what, what do you see the challenges and, and, and what are the other issues that are coming yeah. up? So I would say that we certainly believe that there's an opportunities in our portfolio to infuse new features with artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, particularly in the data quality space and also capacity management space, and that's an area of active investment for us. Um, and I think that's true more broadly in the you know kind of data management landscape, and certainly you see other vendors like a Tamer, um, I think leading the, the market there. Um, I think that is going to be powerful capability. I think our view is that it needs to be human assisted. So, you know, can the system kind of propose things or spot things, but also throw it up to a human to say, yeah, that makes sense or that doesn't make sense. Um, and that's what we're seeing with customers and we're working with customers now on how to make sure our solutions, our products are as smart as possible to help them with this challenge. But at some point, at least at the, the reasonable near term, you're going to still need human judgment to be able to help drive both the governance and the models um, in terms of how you uh, think about the taxonomy of data. On the, um, on the second piece, we think that there's interesting opportunity for us to help power the data integration and data quality components of when I'm building an AI system. How do I source the data? How do I feed it into the, uh, the system in a way that it's, it's usable? There are probably elements of that today that um, focus on the unstructured side that we don't have capabilities. And of course, we've been kind of acquisitive in the past, and so that's an area that we're looking at. Uh, we think there's probably opportunity. But I think, you know, in general, the you know large enterprises are going to build you know artificial intelligence uh, based systems that are going to help them make decisions and differentiate in their business. And I think you know Singsort has a an interesting opportunity to participate um, in you know helping feed the right data at the right time into those systems. And, and that's an area of kind of core research for us right now. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in looking at your portfolio in the past, it seemed that 
that you know, given what I think is going to happen, which is a, the creation of, a, of, of these flexible data supply chains, it's not going to look like a hub and spoke anymore. You're going to have data flowing back and forth between applications and from sources to multiple you know, consumers. And it's going to be really important to put data quality, data transformation at all sorts of different points in that data supply chain. Because you, know, you don't want to broadcast data that then needs to be corrected right. in every place that it's consumed. Right. Um, yeah. Now for something completely different. Um, the, the IoT space has exploded in terms of creating huge amounts of data. It's, it's, it's also uh, you know, created a lot of very high value applications, but it seems like that we're just at the beginning of thinking through you know, how sensors can be used, how exhaust data can be understood. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what do you see the, the key is to you know, for an average company to understand what does the IoT mean to them and then create the infrastructure so that they can get some value out of it. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's all about, we like to focus with our customers on use cases. And so, you know, that's where we like to, to engage um, and we see where customers have the most success is when they think about a specific use case. It's not about what, all, what are all the data elements that I could grab. It's what's the problem you're trying to solve and what data do you need to solve that problem. Um, and so we certainly see this, you know, happening in our um, in our customer base around predictive maintenance, around you know fraud analytics, and uh, and we believe that we have an important role to play there because in many cases you've got you know large volumes of data coming into um, you know a data lake from a network of uh, sensors, and for them the company to make sense of that they've got to pair it with existing operational data that probably comes from applications that have been running on their mainframe environment. Um, and so that's the role that we would play. You know, big picture, obviously IoT is a huge opportunity. Um, I think it's really easy to think about, you know, applications where you're digesting a, a, a large amounts of data, but probably better to think about what's the problem that I'm going to solve, um, and let me go source the data for that problem, uh, versus just let me start collecting data. That's, that's, those are the types of use cases we see that we really want to get involved in. I see, so the use case drives the IoT uh, technology, and yep. you, you, you you build the IoT sensors based on your use case. Absolutely. So now, uh, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about that is also emerging and, and is, I don't think is well understood is the whole idea of the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Now my view is, you know, I looked at the blockchain from the perspective of some private cryptocurrency vendors and uh, you know, cryptocurrency is a brilliant application of the blockchain. But then you, know, you think about a lot of the ways that blockchain is being posited as being useful and you can think in many of those situations, does this really need to be a blockchain mm -hmm. or, or can it be something else? Then you have you know, kind of counter examples where you have whole industries being created and whole you know, new markets being created out of like uh, uh, blockchain virtual assets. Like there's that, that cat oriented you know, blockchain application where it's no longer just a silly thing. People are spending millions of dollars on their virtual cats or, or whatever it is, right, right. crypto cats or something like that. Yeah. So it seems to me that, that the hardest thing to understand is, you know, when is an application a really a good fit for blockchain? You know, and, and when is this just something you could do in a much simpler way? Right. And I still, I, I haven't found a really good definition of like the seven characteristics that define a real blockchain application. Right. Yeah, well we, we started the conversation around what's changed at, the, at this show, right? And if you go back to 2013, you know, there were more than a dozen Hadoop distributions that were being launched. Um, 
and most people didn't know what Hadoop was that were at the show. I kind of feel like that's a little bit where we are with blockchain. It is very, very early. It is a product or a, a, a technology that I think is going to be incredibly relevant in the enterprise. I do not believe people have, you know, figured out all of the, the key use cases that it's going to be entirely relevant for. But there's enough promise there for sure that it's going to matter. And we are doing a lot of um, research in this space right now. We'll be actually announcing probably in about a month that we're joining the Hyperledger uh, group within the Linux Foundation. Um, and our goal there is to work closely with the, uh, uh, the group to figure out how we can add value to Hyperledger, but also how we can start to understand what are the integration points of this kind of basic infrastructure. Um, what's this basic infrastructure with, um, uh, with the existing transactional infrastructure? And we think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to play the same role that we played in the big data space in the blockchain space. So it's an area that we're really excited about. But I would say, you know, our interaction with customers on their, you know, pilot projects, you know, our observations have been it's still very early around where this is going to be most applicable and 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 how the technology is going to need to mature and and kind of be molded to be able to fit some of these use cases. Yeah, so in essence, your your approach is going to be productizing the kind of a generic blockchain infrastructure uh, and so, so that it can be assembled? Into I'd say different than that. I'd say if you're going to run transactions on a blockchain, you're going to need to integrate the data from those transactions into an existing kind of transactional infrastructure. And we believe that there's going to need to be a whole set of tools and utilities that's going to allow you to support that integration. Okay, so, um, it's, so and just so we believe we're uniquely, you know, kind of capable of doing that because, in large financial institutions and large telecommunication institutions and large manufacturers, you know, a lot of these transactions today happen on mainframes and AS400s or IBM I uh, platforms. And so if I'm standing up a new transactional infrastructure, I'm going to need those two things to talk. We think we can play a role there. No, and, and, and I was just going to say, it's exactly the same way that you provide connectivity right. and a way for mainframe data to be to, to escape the mainframe right. and come into data lakes or data warehouses and become useful there you know, for new use cases. That's exactly right. Um, so finally, um, you know, if you're a CIO today or a chief data officer, or somebody who's in a line of business who's looking at all of the possibilities that there are to exploit you know, the data in a business. No. You know, there's, uh, uh, it, it seems to me that, you know, there's a, uh, that people would do much better if off, especially with applications like AI or things like that, if they instead focused on creating a flexible, you know, uh, uh, adaptable, scalable data supply chain. So they could mm -hmm. understand all the data they have um, they could then uh, move that data around efficiently, add data quality and things like that where needed. And then as more and more AI-based products come available, they'll be able to move the data to those products and be able to make use of them rather than trying to, uh, to do a Skunk Works project to develop your own AI. In which, in which most of the work always is assembling and you right. know making the data properly uh, formed so that you right. can solve the problem. Yeah. So that would be my answer to, to this question: is where would you focus right now if you were a CIO, a chief data officer, or line of business in improving your ability to, to put data to work for a business? Sure. I mean, that's where I think this show is is relevant, right? I think you need a scalable data lake approach that has proper governance um, to allow people to consume 
data at a low cost to be able to try new things and understand you know, where can they, they create a differentiation with data. From our perspective, you know, core to achieving that state is an ability to move data in at the speed of business from source systems, whether those source systems were built you know, in the last six months or in the last you know, 50 years ago. Um, and secondly, to be able to improve the quality of that data in the context of the data lake, right? You want to be able to run your quality routines in the data lake so you can improve uh, the data where it sits. Um, and I think if you can combine that with an appropriate kind of governance structure, you're well positioned to be able to feed data, at, data into these next generation systems you're building that may be AI or machine learning based um, as needed because you've, you've kind of established that supply chain, if you will. Got it. So the idea is you'd, you'd be doing the same work, it's just that you'd be doing it under the auspices of a data lake. Yep. And if you get that right, then a whole bunch of things become that's, easier. That's right. Well, it's been really great talking to you. Uh, I hope that we can continue this conversation every conference we, 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 we attend together. Sounds good. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Dan.